Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Srividya Sridharan. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the latest market dynamics impacting executives and their customers. Today, we're joined by Vice President and Principal Analyst Laura Cross and Principal Analyst Anthony McPartland to discuss the rise of revenue operations in B2B organizations. Welcome both. Thank you for having me today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Hi there, folks. So maybe let's start with a bit of a softball. Uh, What is revenue operations and why are we hearing so much about it now? Yeah. So revenue operations, uh, as Forrester defines it, is really an execution strategy that's focused on unifying the operations resources that we have across sales, marketing and customer success. So it's really focused on how do we bring these resources together to improve the the customer experience? How do we create more value for customers and buyers through that life cycle? Uh, And we do that through unifying the data that we have, uh, the insights that we bring to bear to the stakeholders across the go-to-market organizations, giving them the right platforms and technology to be able to engage better with customers. And I'll expand on that, the why are we hearing about it so much now? Specifically from a marketing perspective, we have a vast amount of digital interaction data that we're not doing enough with. And I think marketing operations leaders are looking for a different strategy. And the strategy is not just from a marketing perspective, but it's throughout that entire customer lifecycle. And that's why so many marketing operations leaders are very excited about revenue operations, as long as it's not just a replacement for the word sales. If they truly see themselves inside of a different operating model, the marketing operations leaders are very excited, which is why we're hearing about it so much now and why it's the fastest growing job title on LinkedIn. So uh, just picking up from there, we have marketing operations, we have sales operations. I'm sure there's a lot of confusion out there. Is this a capability? Is this a function? Is this an org structure? Maybe tell us a little bit about, you know, how we see revenue operations, um, you know, the, the place that it plays or the, uh, the role that it plays within B2B organizations. Yeah, so I, I think one of the big things that we've been trying to get across in our research is that there is no one model for revenue operations. It looks very different across the organizations that you see across B2B. We, Laura and I interviewed a pretty broad range of companies on this topic to get a sense of how they were organized. And we saw a real range spectrum of approaches. So there is no one model, right? It is entirely configured to your context, to your business demands. And then the other part of it that's really important, I think, to understand is that it, it's iterative, right? It, you, you can't make a jump from one model to another in one leap. These organizations evolve over time based on the maturity of the organization, the culture, and what's required. So understanding your context and then configuring the right operating model for that and then changing it over time as you're able to demonstrate Uh, the value of what you're doing in a more unified approach is really important. And I think based on those interviews, what Anthony and I learned is successful RevOps org structures span everything from a completely decentralized model, which is actually what we experience most often today, to a completely unified and centralized ops structure, which is probably in the minority today. And the ideal for many organizations might actually be more of a hybrid approach 
where you have centers of excellence for maybe data analytics or technology. But the goal of RevOps is to reap the benefits of that alignment and the integration to maximize customer value for that growth. It's the goal is really not to combine all ops functions into one, create a new function or upend org design. And it's definitely not to somehow reduce or diminish the role of sales and marketing. Um, it's really kind of simply to get our act together once and for all around alignment and these shared resources to start the integration in a really logical place, which for us, our point of view is starting in operations. I think, Laura, you had mentioned earlier that you're seeing like the role of RevOps, a RevOps leader, you know, kind of you're seeing this role a lot out in terms of job descriptions and what have you. What what type of individual should organizations be looking for for that type of leader? This was actually um, a question that we asked and then a question that we received from the interview, um, the interview candidates and the the interviewees and also what we experienced at our North America Summit uh, in June in Austin, where everyone came up to us and said, great, what are the leadership requirements? Um, and really, it's it's a couple of key requirements in the first one, which is kind of funny, but it's the give a darn factor. These individuals typically are going to have to be the ones that are the most curious in the organization, probably the ones that are the most bold. They're going to go into an area that hasn't really been done before. They're going to make people very uncomfortable with the legacy of the roles and the culture of the company. So they have to have that change agent mindset. And also these are strategic operators. They have been the people in the systems. They have been the people in the databases. So they get it. They know how to connect the dots of all of the operational components to that strategic vision. Um, and these truly are going to be the unicorns in the organization um, to be able to articulate that vision, to be able to articulate what needs to happen. Um, these operation leaders have to force against the resistance to change internally, and they're going to be held accountable for that transformation. So, I mean, at the, the basic level, they have to be extremely pragmatic. They have to be extremely bold and they have to be extremely curious. So it sounds like being a revenue operations leader is uh, not for the faint hearted. Um, and on the, on the, on the other end, are there characteristics of B2B companies that, um, you know, uh, or circumstances or the environment where it makes sense to, you know, hire a leader like this? Uh, you know, Anthony, you mentioned it's a hybrid model. It's an incremental kind of iterative approach. Um, are there some characteristics of organizations that, you know, it's ready, like they're ready right now to hire that kind of leader? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think there, if you look at organizations, uh, primarily like high growth organizations where they haven't invested heavily in their operations resources thus far, right? They've, they've maybe just started to build out those operations functions. Does it really make sense to build out individual marketing ops, sales ops uh, functions in that type of scenario? Probably not, right? Um, there's an opportunity there to build a more unified, a more integrated approach from scratch. Now, obviously, you know, if, if you start looking at large enterprise organizations that already have built out significant operations functions, 
that type of approach becomes more challenging. But certainly, you know, for organizations who are more, uh, you know, early stage in terms of their operations capabilities, thinking about uh, a revenue ops approach at the start makes sense. So maybe we can get into just a little bit what's needed for this function to do well and succeed if, you know, whether that's in a, you know, earlier stage, maybe organization who doesn't have an established marketing ops and sales ops roles functions, or in a larger sort of enterprise example um, where those functions may already exist. Yes. So, so let me talk to you about it from one perspective, which is, is, is cost, right? There is a perception, I think, and Laura um, spoke to it in, in a recent report on myths around revenue operations. One of the myths is that it's a cost cutting exercise. Uh, the reality is that like any function, it requires a level of investment, right? These are, uh, you know, subject matter experts across technology, across data process, and it does require investment to bring and retain the right staff. So thinking about the fact that if you're trying to build a RevOps function, it needs executive support, not only in terms of investment, but obviously in terms of its ability to, to grow and, and influence the rest of the organization. Because RevOps and the role of the RevOps leader, there is an influence operation going on there, right? That they have a role to play in uh, trying to encourage different stakeholders who oftentimes have competing priorities to work together and who maybe don't have a history of working together. And so there's a role there uh, for executives to support what the RevOps leader and the RevOps function is trying to do. Um, so, uh, you know, investment and executive support are key things. Laura, what's, you know, some of the things that you think might be key? I think the competing priorities is probably the most interesting what do we need conversation to happen? If revenue operations is considered a strategic partnership between sales, product, marketing, and customer, and then operations is a wrapper. And if we're really looking for these teams to work together to integrate their capabilities, then it's much easier to kind of think through this. Where we get pushback, so I would say this is the what's required, is a shift in mindset. There has to be a conversation because this will fundamentally change the way that the teams work together. It doesn't necessarily mean, and we've already covered this, that it requires an org structure shift. But if we just focus on the work that needs to get done and how the work is going to get done, that absolutely is a shift when you bring in the concept of revenue operations. It's that strategic approach, strategic partnership. But that changing priorities piece is the most critical to figure out. Just last week, I was on the phone with a company that has started operationalizing revenue operations. They moved marketing operations underneath a head of revenue ops. The CMO is extremely concerned that his priorities will not get met if we've moved marketing ops underneath a revenue ops structure. Marketing ops still exists. The function of marketing ops exists. It doesn't report any longer to the CMO. Those competing priorities were the biggest source of friction. So we're working with them to overcome that and start delivering on the value of what that will mean to the CMO by taking a look at this broader from a commercial impact and excellence and a 
customer value and and growth and really what that might look like. But that competing priorities is critical and they're having to do a lot of that influencing and and really kind of calming down of executives that feel like they might have lost something. So it sounds like it's not a one and done situation of just setting up the capability, but a continuous um, commitment to the change management, the mindset shift, the prioritization, the alignment. And and that's what, uh, you know, uh, will will potentially set up this type of leader for success. That's the harder stuff, right? You know, uh, deciding what services you're going to do, deciding which stakeholders you're going to prioritize, um, you know, technology, uh, data, that stuff is within the remit of, of uh, RevOps leaders and their, and their expertise. You know, managing stakeholders, driving long-term change, transformation, that's the, the, the difficult stuff, right? And for organizations where, um, you know, you've, these functions in sales and marketing have been used to working in very different ways, Getting them to shift to a different approach is a is a is a really uh, you know it's a, it's a tough challenge for organizations and you can't get there in one go. You've got to get there through a concerted effort over time, where you're able to demonstrate impact of small changes and get buy-in as you go. And and Shri, you brought up a good point. It's it's not only iterative, but it's also being careful that it's not too fast. And that because it's a lot of process change and if a revenue operations leader or a revenue operations capability over promises and under delivers, then we're going to have a whole host of other problems. Another myth we heard a lot about was, well, I've brought in a new leader or a new capability, so now can't you do everything? Well, revenue operations is neither omniscient nor are they superheroes. And those are two myths we explore and being very careful that the promise of revenue operations is not so overwhelming and that it's matched to how the organization can tolerate change. Some organizations can go very fast with change management. Some organizations, it will take a lot longer. So we don't expect revenue operations to be a one and done. And we also don't expect the pace of it to match organizations that we cover. And, and we have to protect against it being kind of the catch-all function, right? Um, and I think that that seems like a real risk. But uh, I imagine your research also uncovered uh, benefits. And, you know, there are folks who are further along and, and are benefiting from this change and this journey towards revenue operations. What are some key benefits that B2B companies um, can expect? So I think some of the biggest benefits that we heard more than anything else was the ability to leverage data and insights across the entire life cycle of the buyer and the customer and being able to not worry about the technical debt that's been built up over time. And this team owns this technology and this team owns this instead taking taking a holistic view to really derive insights and getting not just data from systems, but actually getting all the way to the top of our insight spectrum into more of the guidance that the operations team can provide. We also heard things that are probably a lot more fluffy, but improved accountability, greater collaboration. Um, I cover planning a lot in this type of time of year, 
planning is something where I hear every year after year, sales, product, marketing, and customer come together, give a high five, and then go off and do their own things. The organizations that have a strategic revenue operations capability, they're talking about how the investment model needs to change and how they're investing in sales, marketing, product, and customer, and how those priorities are aligned. The conversation is entirely different. So those are some of the benefits that we heard and that I'm also seeing today. Yeah, and I I think too that I'd like to speak to, uh, Sri, is around the, the ability to improve customer engagement. You know, one of the, the kind of key roles that, that RevOps has is supporting uh, the, the, the go-to-market functions and their ability to improve that experience with buyers and with customers. You know, and for a lot of organizations, the buying experience in particular just hasn't been a sufficient area of focus. And I think revenue operations is really helping them bring that level of focus by unifying the data, giving better insight around who these buyers are, where they are in their decision cycle, and what that means for things like our ability to more accurately predict revenue, right? So for a lot of our revenue operations leaders that we spoke to, uh, that's been one of the kind of key advantages is how do we get a better understanding of where we are with the deals and the accounts that we're serving? uh, And how do we ensure that we're able to give better guidance internally for our executive leaders, for example, and their need to um, provide guidance externally around where the business is likely to end up at the end of the quarter, end of the year. So that revenue predictability is a big piece of it, tied then to our ability to support better engagement and to be able to learn from the engagement that we're having, um, whether it's you know online on our website or whether it's reps dealing with customers day to day, understanding what's working and what's not working, and how do we then improve from that? We've addressed a couple of the myths that you've hit on in, um, in the research, but I feel like there are probably a few more that we can unpack a little bit. One being like, you know, the whole purpose of standing up those capabilities to reduce costs, right? You know, Obviously, there needs to be a, a, an investment here. What are some of the other myths about revenue operations that we should unpack a little bit for listeners? The one that I hear most from um, on the marketing side is that it's going to kill our agility or reduce our chances of getting things done in a timely fashion. Part of that is the legacy of a marketing function in that they don't know how to push back and say, we only can achieve X. Instead, they say, we'll do it all and then we have to get it done. It's not that revenue operations will kill agility. Instead, it's actually we should be changing the conversation to how we should support the business, how we should drive more agility by providing those end to end processes and the seamless workflows. A lot of times the conversation really changes the entire process. And so we're worried about a portion of the process where it may not go as fast, but instead we leapfrog the entire rest of the process because now we have a unified approach that drives this cross-functional consistency from executive mandate or executive initiative to all the cross-functional priorities to then the sub-functional priorities where they're we're trying to create these seamless workflows and 
we're really a lot of times seeing there's worry over things that are actually not there. Um, the clarity is key when we talk about how these teams work together. So I'm not saying that there shouldn't be a concern, but when we actually really hone in on the entire process and we hone in on where they think the agility may be a risk, a lot of times that just comes down to clarification of who is doing what, clarification on the priority and clarification on exactly what the benefit is that we're doing. Nine times out of 10, there may be something that we can actually reduce from the process now that we have a combined capability of revenue operations. Another one of the myths I can focus on is that revenue operations has this short-term focus. Anthony hit on it related to revenue predictability. And I think that's one of the areas that it's minimized perhaps because it's not been something we've been able to get to. We have a fiscal plan, we hit the plan, we don't hit the plan. And if marketing needs to change their focus, they are almost paralyzed. Revenue operations, if we really think about the reality, it helps realize commercial impact. It helps focus on revenue growth, improved customer sat, and increased profitability. But it is hard when those impacts that we're trying to realize, if we just keep that word revenue in there, where if we actually instead focus on delivering customer value, which we haven't all prioritized in the same way, if we then say, well, how, what is marketing doing to not only drive revenue and growth, but also deliver customer value as part of that revenue operations story, then we can actually prioritize what needs to get done and what doesn't. If we're just focused on fiscal year, one fiscal year and the growth during that period or the revenue during that period, we're not realizing the maximum benefit of the revenue operations capability. Yeah, I think that 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 feeds into concerns about things like uh, specialist skills in the different functions, right? That somehow revenue operations will dilute that. And I, I think that's one of the kind of key challenges that RevOps is trying to address in terms of, yes, it, it is a broad capability, but there's got to be depth in the various within the various functional areas. And that that can't go away, you know, d- despite quarterly uh, or, or half yearly, uh, you know, financial targets that we have to realize. Uh, if we're trying to get the organization through this transformation, a commercial transformation, if we're trying to deliver on value for the longer term, then we're going to need those skills. But it's not just a question of, of you know, collecting these, these specialized skills. There needs to be a strategic capability as well. We need to be able to understand how these things tie together to deliver for the business. And I think that hasn't always been the case in operations functions. There's been a, a, a focus on that specialist skill w- without the understanding of how they impact you know, our ability to, to drive the organization forward. And so I think RevOps brings the best of both worlds there. So it's clear, I think, that RevOps is a much needed um, capability for the B2B customer obsessed growth engine and, you know, for that future growth, you know, where, where do you see RevOps kind of playing that role to drive that future growth for B2B organizations? What are maybe one or two things that we can expect to see this capability, um, you know, being an integral part of that engine? Yeah, sure. I think one of the areas is around our ability within the revenue operations um, function 
to not only just um, produce and deliver insights, but to be able to help guide the organization, to be able to look at the market, to be able to look at our services and our customers uh, and the activity that we're doing to be able to uncover new opportunities. So where are the, the, the areas where we, you know, either in terms of profitability, uh, in terms of white space, that we as an organization should be pursuing, where there's opportunity for competitive differentiation. That type of analysis it has been challenging for a lot of operations teams because they've been so busy just producing stuff, producing dashboards, producing reports, that it's been very difficult for them to find the capacity to step back from that and, and look at what is this data telling us about where the business is going or where it should be going and how do we help the organization interpret that and take action? I think there is a strategic value of process excellence that we do not talk about enough inside of all of the functions of B2B. And if we can get process excellence taken care of, I think that will be delivering on the promise that the executive leaders have wanted for quite some time. They want, and what we heard, they want marketing, sales, product, and customer all to walk into the room with the same source of truth, with the same conversation, and with how can we actually invest one more dollar and where should we invest it and everyone to be on the same page. So the concept of less waste, we're actually not just doing a lot of activity, but that we're doing sufficient level of activity. And one of my favorite things on a call with Anthony that he said, no one ever asks how sales is actually proving themselves. It's very obvious. Are they meeting their numbers? Are they doing the right things? Whereas marketing has been in the business of proving their value for too many years. And we have to get out of the business of how do you prove the value of marketing? Rather, how do you improve the value of marketing against the rest of the business? Revenue operations will help us with that. And that is probably one of the biggest areas that is resonating with a lot of the leaders that I'm talking about in addition to that strategic value of process excellence. Those two areas are what I absolutely love about my job because it is hitting the points that they are very frustrated with and they do see a path forward. They do see a path forward with the revenue operations capability, being able to help them with this, even if it's not a change of org structure or a change of remit, there are baby steps that they can start realizing the value of what this could mean for them. I love that. Well, thank you both for joining us today. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having us. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or drop us a note at podcast at Thanks for listening.